Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes of your day with me. In today's episode, I'm providing a beginner's guide to printing on your own. Before we get into that, because I have so much to say about this, I do have to take just a moment, and I, I got to tell you that I know it's been a long time since I published an episode. I got called out by Dom Kamarechka on his, his Photo Geek Weekly episode recently. I still love podcasting. I, In particular, I love any opportunity to share what I learn about photography with others. And it's not just through podcasting. I love doing that through email and my website and Instagram and, and whatever mechanism I'm, I'm able to interact with other photographers even some of the local photographers in my area. I just It's so much fun to me to be able to talk about and um, kind of share what I learn and, and learn from others so that I can improve my own photography. I also have teenagers, and, and I want to be there for them. I want to go to their events. I want to be involved in their lives. It, uh, it takes a lot of time, and I love spending that time with my kids. With my day job, those teenagers, I just haven't had as much time to regularly publish podcast episodes and not even regular. I haven't had time in, in almost a year or maybe a little over a year actually to do any, any episodes at all. I don't know that I have the time to be consistent with publishing episodes for a little bit more. I know that's something we all want and I appreciate those of you who are sticking with me. I'll do my best to publish shows as frequently as I can. Um, but it, it is what it is. So <laughs> sorry about that. I want to do better. I want to do more because I really love it. Anyway, with that out of the way, let's talk printing on your own. I think a lot of you listen to this show because your journey in photography looks very similar to mine. Um, and so let me review kind of like the, the five basic steps. I think that people, that photographers get to where they, we, they may contemplate printing on their own. Not everyone will fit into this mold, but I, I think it's common. I think you, you start off in, in your first step, you, you get a camera. You have no idea how to use it. Then you, uh, in the second step, you kind of learn the exposure triangle. You start to become proficient with shutter, aperture, ISO, and, and being able to get good exposures on images. Uh, then the third step is you, you, you know, get better lenses and you start learning how to uh, compose photos better and make them more artistic, bring out the elements that you want to, you kind of learn a little of how to do that. Uh, then maybe you learn a, a little more about how to use light in the fourth step. Uh, portraits, you're maybe adding a flash or landscapes with, with night skies and sunsets that can be difficult with the light. And then then kind of when you're, you're proficient in all of that, the next logical step can be learning how to print and considering to do it on your own or you know working with print labs, which we're not going to talk almost anything about working with print labs in this episode. This is just about printing on your own. I want to, in this episode, I want to focus on that last step. I want this episode to help photographers who are wondering about printing themselves. Give some decision points and things to consider if you're going to do that. And I, I'm going to share a lot of things I've learned over the past few years. It's probably three or four years now um, that, about printing on my own that is coming from a complete beginner perspective. I knew nothing about printing. Just like I knew nothing about photography when I first picked up the camera so many years ago, I knew nothing about printing three or four years ago. And, and I dove into it. I figured it, a little bit of it out. And, and I'm ready to share kind of those decision points and what I think 
photographers should go through in order to decide if they want to dive into that. All right, so I've broken it up into several different uh, decision points here. Um, I And I'm going to run through a rough outline, and then we're going to dive into each one of them. So being a competent photographer is one, then a, a margin is, a, is another. Do you think you're going to like it? And I have a lot to say there. A convenience factor. And then it could actually end up being critical for business and your growth in your business. And I'll, I'll get to why I think that's true in, in uh, the, the last part of that part of it. And then I'm going to finish up with a few little technical things as we do here on Photo Taco. I have some technical stuff to share with you about printing on your own. So let's tackle competent photographer first. I, I don't want to sound harsh. I don't want to dissuade anyone from setting and working on goals. You do that as you need to. It's your journey, not mine. Um, and, and so you need to, to have the guide there. I tried super hard <laughs> to make this show be one where I encourage photographers get on that journey and, and really work on and improve your photography. If, if you have the bug, it can be so much fun. And I, I want to try to provide help and guidance. I want to cheer you on as you do this. Um, I, I want to provide recommendations on how to do it without having to spend exorbitant amounts of money and, and still get really high quality results. I, I want to encourage everyone who has an interest in photography to take whatever that next step is in their journey. But I do recommend that printing on your own is probably something you shouldn't take on early in that journey. Probably need to get, become a professional or not professional, a proficient, and I'm calling it competent photographer. No one needs to classify you as a competent photographer. You don't need anyone to tell you that you've reached that stage. It's a self-evaluation. It's it, How do you feel about your photography? Are you able to consistently produce and create images that you're proud of? I think that's kind of the biggest key. That At that stage, I'd call you a competent photographer if you're proud of um, your images on a very consistent basis. and Not like you are occasionally getting lucky. <laughs> And having, I've been through that phase. I, I had a lot of times where I was like, I don't know how I managed to get the image to be like this. This one's awesome. I love this image. And you can have those. And I do not want to dissuade you from printing those either. As early on as you have, as soon as you have an image that you're proud of, go print it. There's almost nothing like being able to have family and friends and neighbors come through your house, see a print on the wall and say, is that your photo? And you can like smile big and say, yep, that one's mine. And it, it's just a great, great experience to be able to do that and see it hanging on the wall. And, and it's a trophy that you should be proud of that you created that image. So I, I, I don't want to dissuade anyone from that. But printing on your own is a whole new like technical journey. <laughs> it takes a lot. It's, it's investment in a printer and ink and paper. We're going to get to that a little bit more. And there's a lot to learn about how to make it all go. So I, I don't think you want to add that overhead of technically learning how to do printing to trying to improve your photography. I, I, I recommend that photographers get comfortable and be evaluate themselves as being a competent photographer before they try to do any printing on their own. Don't, don't dissuade that or don't stop from printing yourself uh, through labs. Do that. Do that. Absolutely do that. But probably hold off on printing on your own. Okay. Margins. I, a lot of you listen to this show because you want to do photography in less expensive ways. And I love being able to provide that advice in general. 
And I'm going to talk through some a little bit more detail here. But in general, you just really have no chance to print yourself at, or, or the reason to print yourself. You shouldn't go after it as a way to save money. Unless you consider your local pharmacy your print lab, which please do not do that. It's always going to be more expensive to do it yourself, though, uh, where a lab has has an advantage. Unless you do a serious, a, a lot of printing, you're just really not going to be able to compete there. So like like pretty much every service that makes money in the world, you know, print labs work because of economies of scale. The reason they exist, the reason they're a business is they can drive down their costs and be able to make money. And they price things at a point where they'll be able to make as much money as possible, but still make it kind of less expensive than you can do it on your own. Um, that's going to be the best kind of business model that there is. And the print labs have a, a massive advantage with you there. They can buy ink and paper in bulk. They can, that's going to save them tremendously on both of those costs. And as an individual consumer, you really can't get there. Even if you print a lot, it's going to be tough to really establish the relationship. Like these print labs are printing so much they can actually reach out and be able to say, you know, I'm going to be buying this much ink and paper from you. I need you to give me a discount so that um, we can work together and you'll make money and we'll make money and, and it'll be a good partnership. And as an individual consumer that's doing printing on your own, it's really hard to get to that same level. In fact, not only can the print labs get everything needed to do the printing less at less cost, they also save money by not wasting ink. And I need to kind of clarify what I mean by not wasting ink. I'm not talking about large print sizes that require a lot of ink. That's something that the print labs all have to take on too, even though their ink will be less expensive. Um, I'm talking about the, and I'm not talking about reprints. I'm not talking about having to like print over again because you made a mistake. Like those print labs they have people that are trained on how to use the printers and they know how to print and they don't have to reprint because they screwed up the software or if they do, it's going to be way less expensive to have to reprint if there's some kind of new running the man in the controls. But in general, they, they don't have those costs. This not what I'm talking about though. I'm talking about the ink being wasted because the printer sits idle for too long, which is going to be a common problem for a lot of you listening if you don't do a ton of printing or as you get into this. So inks dry as they're exposed to the air, obvious. And as soon as you unwrap a, a printer cartridge that has ink in it, and most printers that are really good printers that will give you high quality results at home, it's not just one ink cartridge. There's multiple that you have to unwrap and stick in the printer. And as soon as it's unwrapped and it's inside the printer, it's drying out. <laughs> it's starting to dry. And so the more you print, the more that ink actually ends up on a paper and is useful as a print. But if it sits for a while, it can sit long enough and it, there's not a necessarily a specific time frame that I can give you. But as it sits longer, then when you turn on the printer or when you've, you go to do your next print job, the printer actually has to purge out the, the ink that is too dried so that it can get to fresh, wet ink that's going to work correctly and get put on the paper correctly. The good news is printers do this. Even the less expensive consumer-oriented models that I'm using, like the Canon Pro 100, they handle this pretty well, and they do this purge kind of automatically. The bad news is you lose a lot of very expensive ink just because you don't print very often. 
and the print labs don't have to face that. They're going to go through those ink cartridges super fast as they are running the printer all day, every day, and uh, they're going to get the most out of their ink cartridges, and you do not, which is a massive expense as you print yourself. Okay, so now that I've made the argument for why photographers shouldn't take on printing themselves as a way to save money, I do have to say it is possible to do so, to save money by printing on your own. So here's what I've done. I've done some analysis where I used, or I looked up the yield numbers that Canon has published for the Canon Pro 100 is the one that I use, so that's the one I've, I've cared about. But I'd imagine it, it kind of applies universal, pretty universally across all the printers. So I took the worst of those yield numbers. The printer doesn't use those cartridges evenly. Images require, uh, there's, there's ink cartridges that tend to run out first, I guess is how to say it. Uh, so I used the worst of those yield numbers, which is kind of how many prints you can get out of that ink cartridge. And then I did some quick math and I, I showed that I can, I can save money on single image, large sized prints, specifically eight by 10 and 11, 14 print sizes smaller than that. I don't see a, a significant advantage, but the larger sized prints and single prints is the key. I can actually save money there uh, along the lines of about 85%. So the reason that it, it works out that way has to do with shipping costs. If you have, if you happen to have a local print lab available to you, then, and you don't have to pay shipping costs, you can't compete. You, they will be cheaper at the print lab than you can produce on your own. Um, for me, that lab used to be Costco. I really liked the high quality prints I could get out of Costco. And I used to be able to order them and then go pick them up at the store a few days later and not have to pay any shipping costs. And that was very cost effective and it would be more cost effective than anything I could do on my own. Costco shut down that capability in January of 2023. They don't offer any more printing in their local Costco warehouses anymore as of January 2023. And instead, what they do is they work to deal with Shutterfly, and they you can get a discounted price on Shutterfly printing. Even with that discounted price, I can still do a single 8x10 or a single 11x14 print, about 85% less cost than what it would take to do that single image print and have it shipped to me. So there is a way to save money. It's kind of rare. And, and obviously, as you increase the number of prints that you're doing, if you have a shoot where you're going to print out 20 8x10s, you're not going to save money there. <laughs> you're, the shipping costs don't go up so much with all those prints that you are, are going to have a, you know, the economies of scale come into play again in that situation in bulk printing. So it's only really single image or low, low volume of printing where you can actually save some money to figure it out. So there you go. You can consider that in your, in your decision process. Okay. This is a, a really big one for me is will you enjoy printing? I, I started out despising printing uh, so much so that even though I would be super proud of some of the images I was creating, I hated printing so much that I, I even discouraged it with my clients. Not that I discouraged them printing. I just discouraged them ordering prints through me, which I know leaves money on the table. I've been through this in this episode or this show in Photo Taco. I've also been through it in Master Photography. If you are a, uh, if you do a lot of client portrait work in particular, 
the way you're going to make money is having the client print through you. That No question. That's how you run it. If you're running a business, you need to be doing that. That's where you can make margins. That's where you can make money. And, um, and that, that is something you absolutely should be looking into if this is how you make money as a photographer. That's not me. I do this mostly because I just love photography. I, I do client shoots, but mostly it's just enough to pay for the equipment I want to have and I want to play with and be able to make it so that I have the experiences to do this show. Um, but yeah, that, that is not why I do it. So I was actively kind of saying, here's the digital images. That's what I offer. And I don't even offer any printing. So don't, you know, you, if you want to take the images and go print, go for it. And I even, I did offer some suggestions with Costco in particular saying, I love Costco as a print lab. And here's kind of some directions on what you should do to make sure that the images print well from Costco. I've changed that slightly. I've become more comfortable with printing. I still didn't really, really enjoy it. It it was like my least favorite part of photography. And since I do this for fun, that's what matters. I only want to do the stuff that is fun. And so, um, so I, I discouraged it, like I said, but then I got into it as, as I kind of got more familiar with how to prepare my, my images so that they could be printed well and sent them off. Um, I, I started offering it not really as something to make money, but just because I knew I didn't want to have the, the clients have to figure this out on their own. And I could at least provide that service to them of like, if you really want to print, uh, through me, then I'll get you some quotes. You can tell me what you want. And, and I, I would mark it up a little cause it, it's time. It's, it's time that I have to spend on this, but, um, but it, it wasn't an emphasis. So I just like, as an aside, as I'm delivering the images, then I'm going to tell you that I can print through a professional print lab if you'd like me to. And some clients have taken me up, but most of my clients, they want to do it themselves anyway, because they think they know that that's where photographers mark up prices and they want to save money. So they think, Oh, I I can just figure out how I'm going to print them and and they print them and they'll enjoy them and, and whatever. So that works for me. I know that may not work for you. And like I said, as a business, you probably need to do this. The, The other big exception I've had with printing and something that I've taken a lot of joy in, I have done a lot of printing of sports banners for teams. Um, by this, they're, they're banners that are like printed on vinyl and they, uh, they're meant to be, at, well, some of them, it depends on the quality of the, the banner that you order through a print lab, but some of them are, are built or designed to be able to be outside and hung on like, you know, baseball stadium fences or football stadium fences and, and so on. And I, the size I've been printing at is uh, is actually 40 by 60, 40 inches by 60 inches. And so it's really super fun to take my images and be able to put them on those banners. And the, the athletes just love those banners. It's, it has, that has brought me a ton of joy to see that. So that part of printing I have, I've absolutely loved. And that led to me thinking like, well, maybe I'll like, if I take this on my own and I can control it on my own and I can kind of see the print immediately as I print and, uh, maybe I'll like this better. And I kind of have uh, to be totally transparent, even though I hated the process or I didn't, I didn't get a lot of joy out of that part of the process with my portrait client shoots in the past. Um, I do get a little more enjoyment out of seeing those images and just like being able to look at them as I, as I get I could do that with the print labs too. I, I would have the print labs send them to my house and I, I was able to preview them and make sure they came out right. I wanted to provide that as part of the service too. I want to make sure that the prints look good. 
Um, so I got some enjoyment out of that too, but it's just even a little more when I did it myself, which I was kind of surprised at. I, I didn't like the process much when I was sending it to print labs and I, I found enjoyment in, in doing it a little bit myself. So I think it's just a decision point that's going to be totally unique to you. I can't tell you what it is. Are you going to enjoy this or not? Just trying to give you some th- some thoughts and some ways to think through this yourself. And you need to decide, like, is this something that you think you're going to really like or not? If you don't think so, then just keep working with print labs. And maybe you'll come around like I did and, and decide, actually, I think I want to give this a go. Or maybe you'll just totally be happy with that. And and again, the margins are such that the print labs are probably the way to go anyway. You're going to save money that way. You don't have the headaches of, of trying to do this technically yourself. And, uh, and so you can decide. So there you go. That, that is something that you can, you can consider as a decision point in printing on your own. Let's go to the next one. Convenience. This one's a kind of a big deal. It has really been nice to be able to print images with very short notice. It's proven super convenient to the point. I'm convinced the expense of having ink drying up on me all the time. It's worth it for the convenience. I'm willing to pay that cost so that I have the capability to be able to print something in a moment's notice. I suspect most of you listening have run into the time or two where you wish you had a decent photo printer so that you could get something printed in the next hour for something sudden or unexpected that came up. And you used to be able to find a lot of hour print labs and mostly it was a processing of your film images those have kind of dried up and gone away. The margins just weren't there to keep them afloat. But that doesn't mean we come into these needs of of having to print something super quick. Uh, for example, I've had my kids needing a four by six for school. Maybe there's a tryout or something like for whatever reason. I've had them say, hey, dad, I need a four by six printed like today, right now. <laughs> I need to go to school with it or I need to go to my event with it or something like that. Now, and it could be a chicken and egg problem here. Maybe because my kids know I have a printer, they don't worry about having to have this done until the last minute because they know dad can bail them out and print the image for whatever reason. But I still think that kids are kids and they don't always tell you when they need something in advance enough that you can send it out to a print lab and have it come back. So it's super convenient to be able to do that. Uh, Another example, more practical or more... uh, I don't know, somber, I guess to say. I've had some some unfortunate scenarios that um, I was really glad I was able to step up with. I've, I've had a number of family, friends, even some clients who've had to had someone close to them pass away unexpectedly. And when that happens, you know, thinking through the need to have a photo at a funeral is not super high on the priority list. Plus, you're usually having to work through funeral arrangements in like a week's time or less. And so... So having your, you know, going through the process of like, you don't think on day one, oh, I need to order photos today so that I have them ready in time for a viewing or for a funeral and, and be able to have that there. It just doesn't happen. And it's it's sad when the event has happened, but it kind of gets worse with the stress of like thinking like the last day, the day of the viewing, oh my goodness, I need a photo and I need it like by seven o'clock tonight. And how am I going to do that? I need one that's kind of big. I don't want a tiny one. There's no way my little multifunction printer does a good job with this. And oh, what photo should I even print? We haven't taken a a professional photo of this person for, 
you know, a couple of years now. And, uh, maybe I can find one that we've taken on a phone and, and, uh, you know, all of this goes into that. And so I've been very fortunate to be able to step up and, and help in those situations. Makes me feel really good about being able to do that and, um, been able to print for somebody, I've been able to help them like get through editing a photo that so, to the point where it's, it's a reasonable looking image when the cases where they didn't have a recent one to go with. And then more importantly, well, not more importantly, but it's also that I can get it printed so that they have it ready to go that evening and, and have it there. So there is a convenience factor that is super nice to have. Totally. I, I, that has been a big deal for me. I, not one that I anticipated, but that is a really, really big deal. So a, a decision point that you should have in being able to, to print on your own. All right, let's talk about the last one, and then we're going to get into some technical details. So the last one is criticality for business growth. Um, won't apply to all of you listings. A lot of you are like me, and, and you're not trying to, to – your primary source of income is not photography. It's more of a hobby, but maybe you do have client shoots like I do, but you're not trying to pay the bills with your photography. For those of you that are, if you're listening to this podcast, um, I want to suggest that this could become a differentiator between the services you offer and the services other photographers offer. Printing on your own and doing a good job with it is not easy. And we're going to go through those technical things in just a minute here. Not every photographer, in fact, few photographers are going to go through the learning and the pain to figure out how to do this well on their own. And so it, it can be a competitive advantage that you can provide. Most photographers print through print labs. It's less money to do that. And therefore, when you even, you know, you'll take your week, maybe two weeks, depends on, on how you do your work to edit the images, how you uh, work with your clients to edit your images and deliver to them or can deliver to them the, those images. So you have to add on to the end of that when you're done with the editing process, the print lab time. How long is it going to take you to get them? And, and now with the almost disappearance, hopefully you're lucky. If you, if you are lucky and have a local print lab, then maybe you don't need to worry about this so much because you could probably get those prints delivered same day and, and so could other photographers in your area. So maybe it's not as much of a competitive advantage there, but if, if that's not the case, which is increasingly becoming true and you have to actually, you know, send them off and have them shipped to you then that time frame is something you could reduce for clients. And, and that could be a competitive advantage. You can say, look, I, you know, most photographers, after they finish your event, you're going to be waiting for a month to get your images. Could you have two weeks for people to edit and then two weeks for the, the shipping of the prints to come back to you. And I, I'm going to be able to deliver your images completely within two weeks. There's, it won't be a month. It'll be two weeks or, or maybe you have services where they can pay more and, get it prioritized faster through the service. And, and that's like, like an add on that you can offer to your customers because you have the capability to print yourself and it's, it's potential. It's, it's definitely um, something that, that could be there. I think it's something to consider. I don't think it's the only factor we you need to go through all the decision points I just went through. And there's probably others that I'm not experiencing because I'm not doing this professionally. So you need to think about, I just think it's it's good to go through a thought process and think through this. All right, let's dive into some technical details and and uh, probably another half of the show here. So so hopefully it's not too long for you as you're as you're going through this. But let's let's talk details. Let's talk equipment first. Obviously, you need a photo printer for a beginner looking to get started. 
I recommend looking at either a Canon branded printer or an Epson printer. Either one of those, both of those offer very uh, inexpensive, as far as printers go, printers that will do a great job. I personally have done used the Canon printers, um, but I would not con uh, Epson if if they had a cheaper printer available and I was looking to do something different. I, I would not hesitate at all to go for an Epson printer. And let's be clear when I t when I say these printers, I'm not talking about those sing those multi-function printers. These are single function photo printers. That's what you want. Um, Canon, Epson, HP, there's there's a, a few manufacturers that offer multifunction printers that will do fax, scan, copy, print. And a lot of them will say, yep, we can print photos too. And they can, and not great. <laughs> they don't do, do very well at it. Just like a lot of things when they're multifunction, they don't do any one of the functions particularly well. And so like even scanning and so on, you, you can find better solutions. But you know they offer a a medium grade quality level across all of those functions. And, and there's a place for those. I have one in my house for the office kinds of needs that we have to, to be able to do printing. That is not what we're talking about here. You want a single function. It only does photo printing. And that, that's what you need to look for. I've mentioned already, the one I have experience with is the Canon Pro 100. Canon no longer actually makes this model of printer. So you can't actually buy it new from Canon any longer, though there's probably a whole bunch of them floating out there um, on uh, in the classifieds. It's probably super easy to find a Canon Pro 100 printer that you want to, that if you want to go and try to save some money. And if you think you know what to look for to, to go get it there. Um, <clears throat> if I was a beginner today looking at it and I wanted to go with Canon, I, not that I think there's any advantage over Epson, but it's the Pro 200 model that's replaced the 100 model. That's the one to, that I, I would recommend today if you wanted to go Canon. Uh, that Pro 200 retails for about $550. And um, I would also advise you to look, if, if you have some time to be able to wait on this, um, Canon often puts these printers on deep discounts. I think Epson does too. But I got the Canon Pro 100 because of a deep discount. And the way it works is a rebate system. I hate rebate systems. You know, the, the manufacturers are counting on the fact that the rebate is so painful to do and takes so long that you're not going to do it. But what they'll do is they'll, you pay the full price for the printer and then you can turn in a rebate as soon as you have evidence of purchase and be able to get like a ton of it back. And I did that. It took a long time. I think it was three, four months before I got the actual money back on the rebate. But in the end, I think it only cost me, it was like under $100 for me to buy the Pro 100 when I got it because the rebate was, was that good. So you can watch for rebate deals. Um, I try to watch for them too. And if you subscribe to my photography deals email that you can get access to, you can go sign up for it at phototacopodcast.com. Um, then I, I try to send those out. I don't, I haven't seen them as much lately. And so, so maybe they're not doing this as much now, but, um, but that, that was a thing. And maybe, maybe look out for that to see if, if that's, uh, that's something that you can use to, to save some money. And like I said, classifieds, you can go check that and see, um, it's tough to tell if the printer does well. So I, if I was you and I was going to go classifieds, I either, it needs to be a steal, like it's, you know, 10 bucks, 50 bucks, something like that. 
or it needs to be something where you go see it and, and actually see it print something and uh, make sure it works before you buy it. But anyway, we're not going into that piece of it, but you do need a printer and I highly recommend it be a single function photo printer. All right. Paper and ink is next. Paper is pretty simple. Um, buy the paper from the manufacturer of your printer and it's going to be super easy to just choose that paper type as you print and the prints come out beautiful. In general, the paper seems reasonably priced and easy to deal with, at least in comparison to inks. And it's not too bad to even use third-party papers, which can both be less expensive. And I kind of like the, uh, the, I don't know, the paper options, I guess I should say, the types of paper that are sold um, there. The, the third-party I like the best is one called Red River, so redriverpaper.com. Not a, an ad for them. I just happen to really like their papers. Uh, so paper in general, not too tough to deal with. That's, that's pretty easy. Ink, different story. <laughs> Ink is a much different story. It is outrageously expensive. I haven't looked to compare, but it seems like the ounce, uh, the price per ounce of ink is probably competitive with the price per ounce of gold. That maybe not, maybe that's an exaggeration, but that's how I feel about it. That the ink is so expensive. That's what I think. I was like, my goodness, what is this made of? Um, the worst thing about ink is that unless you're printing frequently, we've already gone over this, you're going to waste a lot of it as it dries and the printer has to purge to do it. And you, you don't actually get to use all of the ink on paper. And uh, that, that can really be a, a massive expense. It's, it's a big enough thing. I wanted to bring it up again in the episode to talk about it. As soon as you open up the cartridge, that clock starts ticking on how long that ink in near the nozzle is going to be useful. And the more, the more time that goes by, the more that ink has to be purged out and you're just wasting money as that ink flows out and is not used. Um, you can also use third party inks, just like you can use third party papers. Of course, there's going to be third party inks. <sighs> the printer manufacturers know that they can make a lot of money off of the inks and so unlike papers where it's much harder to control this, they have done a lot. They put a lot of work into making it really hard to use third-party inks. Um, with the Canon Pro 100, the ink cartridges all have electronic chips in them that the printer validates as being genuine Canon cartridges before they print. So there is, um, it's not an unbeatable system. There's actually a third party that can uh, take the, uh, the chips out of a, an expired or a, an ink cartridge that's all used up and transplant them onto yours, or um, they may extract ink or they, uh, sorry, they may put ink into an uh, used up cartridge and, and resend it out. And that's all there. There are economy, there are sites, there are third parties out there that do this kind of thing. Being a technically minded guy, I, want to go into that and look into it to see if maybe I can save a few bucks. But as I've looked into it, the steps are not simple. The steps are pretty involved and I just don't know that it's, it's really even worth the cost savings to take on the technical um, nightmare <laughs> that is doing this kind of thing. And if someone listening and saying, I, hey, it's not that hard. I've done this. Cool. That That's great. Go. I, I'm glad that you've uh, found something that works for you and is, is great. But for someone who's just getting started into printing on your own, getting into third-party ink is something you should definitely wait on. I would just use the ink from the manufacturer of your printer. And to make totally simple, 
you really should use paper from the manufacturer too. That just like makes it a foolproof, really the simplest way to make this go. Okay. So those are kind of the, the two things there with the, the equipment. Let's talk about technical steps to printing. If you have the printer, the paper and the ink, then what do you have to do next? You, how do you go from editing on your computer to having the images on your screen come out of the printer and look pretty close? I, I will not say that they 100% match because they're different. Your screen has a, it's illuminated. It's got some light that's coming out of the screen, the monitor, whereas the printer is not. It's on a piece of paper. There's no light emanating from that paper. So they're, they're going to look a little different, but getting them close is the key. So how do you do that? Well, there's a few things that you have to consider. The first is color space. That's, that's where you start at. You need to pick a color space for editing. Color space is a pretty large topic, and I don't want to go through all of it here. That's more time than I want to spend on this. But I do have an article that you can go read or another episode, A Practical Guide to Color Space Workflow for Photographers. You can go to phototacopodcast.com, type in, um, you know, just color space, and you'll be able to see that article and probably some others that associate with color space, but that that'll explain for you a lot more. If you don't know yet what color space is, go check that out. This isn't just my recommendation. Oh, so my chosen color space, Adobe RGB is the color space I choose to work in everywhere. I have from now, not on the camera because at least on my Canon camera, if I choose Adobe RGB as the color space, it actually doesn't affect the raw image at all but it does affect the JPEG and the uh, it does a, a renaming of the files. So that it starts with an underscore. I don't like that. So I, I just choose sRGB for camera, but I shoot raw. So it doesn't matter because I get the full raw in the color space does, doesn't change anything there. And so Adobe RGB, and that's just not my own recommendation. I've had others like my friend, Greg Benz, who is, has really uh, taken a, a deep dive into color space. And that's his recommendation to get the, to, to kind of have the average case work out the best. There's cases for getting Profoto or uh, uh, using other color spaces, but for in general, the general workflow, Adobe RGB is is where you want to be. Uh, Canon also recommends it as for printing with their own printers. When you're going to print on your own, they recommend Adobe RGB as a color space, and I can, I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can go check that out if you'd like to. So color space, Adobe RGB, pretty simple. If you don't know what that is, go check out the other articles. Now let's go display calibration. That's the next step to this. If, if display calibration is also new to you, you need to go check out, again, another podcast or another article, Photographer's Guide to Screen Calibration with Display Cal is what I have. And you don't have to use Display Cal. It's still very good kind of review or overview of how you, uh, you do or what display calibration is and how you can do it. Um, so we're not going to go any more into that here, but you do need a hardware device to really do a good job of this. The one I recommend is the Calibrite Color Checker Display Pro. It's a CCDIS3 is kind of a short name acronym. I'll have a link in the show notes over to a, it's an Amazon affiliate link. But if you want to click on that, you, you know, I'll make a small commission and you don't pay anything more. It is a whopping $280 on Amazon, which I know is a lot. When you already have to buy a printer, you already have to buy paper, you already have to buy ink, but you don't want to do all that investment and then have your images look so completely different when they get printed out than what you see on your screen. You really have to calibrate if you're going to print. And this device is going to give you very good, very accurate calibrations 
so that you have the best possible chance of having that print come out as, as close as possible to what you see on your screen. So ugh, 280, I know I get it. $280, just another big expense that you have to add onto the list, but it's, it's definitely worth it and totally needed if you're going to be doing printing on your own. The last one is involved. So we, we didn't have to spend too much time on any of these, but the last one is choosing an ICC profile. Um, I don't have any other articles to point you to, so we're just going to have to dive into this a little bit on this one. This is the most complicated of the technical stuff I'm going to talk about. I found it pretty intimidating at first. Um, it turns out most of my challenges when I've had prints I didn't like uh, actually came down to a printer driver bug, and I'm going to get into some details on that. But that kind of delayed my learning and and how I thought I, I thought I was screwing this up, and it turned out I was fighting a bug and wasn't. But it, it is kind of complicated to understand. Um, to boil down an ICC profile and like way oversimplify it, there's more to it than this. But let's just say it 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 acts like a translator from the colors that are shown on your calibrated high quality display and the colors that you can print on paper. They are not the same. They never will be the same between those two. They are going to always have differences. It doesn't matter the size of the color space you use. That printer cannot render all the colors exactly the same way that they get rendered as you look at them on a computer screen. So you have to have something that translates between the two, translates what you're seeing on the screen into what the printer is capable of printing. And you get some options if you're gonna, if you define the ICC profile yourself in either Photoshop or Lightroom or your editing tool, then you get some choice in this. But if you just let the printer select, which is the easiest and most common use case, if, if you buy a Canon printer and you buy Canon paper and you buy Canon ink, and you just let the printer manage the colors, it's going to come out great. Calibrated screen, but it'll come out great because that printer driver is going to auto-select the ICC profile and do that translation between the two, and it's going to do a really good job with it. I, I found that to be the very simplest use case. You let the, ma the printer manage the colors. You tell it the printer driver what paper you're printing on, it's going to get the right ICC profile that's that's specific to both the printer and the paper and their ink, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out great. You're going to be able to do a really good job with it. But if you want to be able to do something yourself here, and especially like if you wanted to use third-party paper, you're not going to be able to let the printer manage the profile like that. It's just it, it you need to use an ICC profile that comes from your paper manufacturer for your printer and it's super specific like that. You need your that printer and their paper. And they've created an ICC profile that makes sure it does the best translation possible for your, what you see on your screen to make it so that the ink on their paper comes out similar. Kind of complicated and technical, but that's what you have to do if you're going to be able to do that. So let's compare a little bit the difference between the two models. If you are going to let the you're going to use all Canon stuff or all Epson stuff as you print, it's really simple. In Lightroom, it's similar for Photoshop, but in Lightroom, you go to the print module. You in the print dialog, you on the right hand side, you choose Managed by Printer for the profile. Then you click the Printer button there, and you choose the paper type, and you're done. You print, and it boom comes out great. Almost no fuss. 
Um, there are downsides. Like I said, you, if you're going to use third-party paper, you can't use this method. Um, but it, in general, it works really, really well. And it's how I advise you to start. Start off by getting everything, using everything the same. Use Canon printer, Canon paper, Canon ink, or Epson printer, Epson paper, Epson ink. And then let the printer driver and the printer manage the color management. Do the it'll apply the right ICC profile, and your prints are going to look really, really good. Second downside to this uh, ICC profile is you don't get to choose. I, I said you got you get to tweak it a little when you do it through Photoshop, and you define the ICC profile. Um, there's something called the printing intent that is common across all of these different printers. And it's two different ways to deal with um, mismatches in the colors that can be represented. So your screen is going to be able to represent some colors that aren't exactly the same as what the printer can. And you get to choose how that translation, if you used your own, if you're applying the ICC profile yourself, you get to choose between two different intents as you're going through that. Okay, so let's let's step through how you do this in Lightroom so I can illustrate how you choose those intents and then I'll tell you what the intents are for. So um, the difference is you have to first install the ICC profile on your computer. Again, it's specific to the printer and the paper. So if you're using a third-party paper, you need to get an ICC profile from that paper manufacturer. Then you need to install that on your computer. If you're going to use the Canon stuff or the Epson stuff all the way through, that probably got installed. The ICC profiles got installed when you installed the printer driver. So you probably don't have to do anything in those cases, but for sure for third party papers, you're going to have to go find from the manufacturer an ICC profile specific to your printer. And if you don't see that from your manufacturer, that's probably a good indicator that you don't want to use that paper. <laughs> you need to have that profile available to you. Okay. So once you've installed it, it now becomes an option inside of Lightroom and Photoshop that you can choose that ICC profile and you'll be able to, it's a little bit complicated, but you'll, you'll see how to do it when, when you get there. And then you have to choose an intent is kind of the next thing you have to do. So let's go through both intents. The first is called perceptual and the second is relative. And here's what Adobe says about the intents, at least as in Lightroom and Photoshop. Um, they say preserve for, for perceptual preserves out of gamut detail. That means the colors that the printer can't print, but may change the in gamut colors. Proof copies matching this color profile will use their own intent. Okay. So to translate that into something that's more understandable, when the detail is the most important thing and the colors staying exactly the same is secondary that's when you would use perceptual. The details are most important and the colors are secondary. Um, in my view, that mostly means landscapes. I don't care if the colors change a little, which is always going to, it's going to be the case. It's only going to be a little bit of a change. It's the details that I care most about. Then that's what I would use. Okay. And then there's the other intent relative. And Adobe says this preserves color accuracy, but clips out of gamut detail. Okay. So again, interpreting that when the colors are the most important thing and you don't mind losing just a, a tiny little bit of detail, then that's when you use relative and portraits are the most likely scenario where you're okay with losing a, a small, I mean, we're talking a really small amount of detail, 
but you want to have the skin tones look exactly like you had them. Or you worked so hard to get the white balance right on those portraits that you want it to be just like you chose. Whereas a landscape, even though you may have worked you know, fairly hard to get the white balance to be exactly like you want, if when you print it changes it just a little bit, you're not going to be terribly upset that, that, that that's a problem. And you'd rather have the detail in the landscape show. So those are the two intents that you can choose. And, um, and that's part of using a custom ICC profile that you have to do if you're going to use third-party paper. And you may choose to do even if you use paper from the same manufacturer. So even if you have a Canon printer and using Canon paper, you may choose to do your own ICC profile just so that you can choose the intent as you print. Okay, so does that sound like some technical detail you want to take on? You know, that's, this is part of the decision points that you need to have if you want to take on that kind of work and you want to decide those things, um, this is how you do it. I want to talk last, and then we're going to close up this episode, about a bug. I mentioned this in the Canon Pro 100. Um, it seems to be super specific to only being a problem with the Canon Pro 100, none of the other printers, and Mac. So if you use Windows, you don't have this issue. And if you use any other printer, any other Canon printer anyway, I don't think you have this issue. It seems like it has to be specifically the Canon Pro 100 and Mac OS. I don't think it matters terribly which version of Mac OS I've experienced it across three different versions now of Mac OS. And it's always been a problem. I think it's a problem in the printer driver for Mac which is why you don't see it in Windows. I think the Mac printer driver has an issue here. Here's what the end result is of the bug. So you'll know you've experienced this bug if when you print, you get a green color cast on the image. And if you've done much white balance work, I think you can imagine what a green color cast looks like now. It's super obvious. (laughs) Super, super obvious. I wouldn't say that the green color cast is super strong necessarily, if you didn't see the image compared to anything else, you might not immediately scream out like, oh, that's green. It's not that severe, but if you compare it against your display or you compare it against an image that is printed correctly, it's super obvious. You can tell that there is, it's a, a very strong green color cast when you can compare it to something else. And it's bit me multiple times. Sometimes on I printed very large and like, oh gosh, why is this look so green? And I have to fix it and reprint it. I am, I've talked about this issue with Adobe. And I was told that the color casts, when you print, come in two different flavors from their perspective as the editor, editing tool. Um, a magenta or light purple color cast comes if you double profile. So if you're, you're specifying a profile in Photoshop or Lightroom and you're specifying a profile in uh, the printer you end up with kind of a purple cast because um, because of that problem. And the green color cast comes when there's no profile applied. So neither the software nor the printer has defined a profile, and you get green. I'm not sure that this follows because, to me, it seems like it's double profiling. I, I'm definitely defining a profile in Lightroom or Photoshop as I print, and it feels like then it means that there's some problem with the driver where it's also profiling and adding a profile. So I should have ended up with a magenta cast, but I'm not. I'm ending up with a green cast. So I don't know. That's what Adobe provided me. I'm not sure I agree in this case that that's what's happening. But either way, 
there's a problem where there's a, a green color cast happening on some of my prints. So it seems like it should be pretty easy to fix the issue, right? It, it should mean I, I have to make sure I define an ICC profile in only one of the two places, and then I avoid either the double profiling or the no profiling, and I should be able to get good prints. And that's true from Windows. I've printed from Windows, and <laughs> it works great. I have same printer, uh, obviously a different driver, since Windows drivers are not the same as Mac drivers. But uh, I can choose an ICC profile in Lightroom and then make sure that the printer driver doesn't, doesn't manage the colors. Or I can switch it and have the printer manage the colors and not choose something in Lightroom. And it totally works. It's no problem. Either way, the prints come out beautifully, at least as long as I use all Canon stuff and not third parties. Because if I use third-party paper, I have to, of course, choose the profile myself. And I, don't, I can't let the printer manage the colors. It is a different story on Mac. Um, not always, but a lot. <laughs> and it's really, really terrible when it happens and you've just done some print. Like I said, it seems to work just fine in Windows. But right after I uh, install the printer driver, it seems to be fine. I can print and I can print a lot of images and not have a problem. In fact, I've never seen it like switch in the middle of printing. It's only after I have some amount of time between printing and I can't figure out how long that is, nor like if there's a specific thing that has to happen to make this go be a problem. Um, so I've tried letting the MacBook go to sleep in between printing, and that doesn't always cause it. I've tried taking the MacBook out of the house so it's not connected to the printer anymore. That doesn't always cause a problem. I've rebooted in, in with combinations of those things. I cannot figure out what causes this to be a problem. There's no trigger point that I've been able to find and it's infuriating when I print and it's a problem. So I've tried everything to try to figure this out. And the only thing I have found that resolves this problem, makes the print driver work correctly and gets me the right colors, I have to delete the printer in Mac first. Um, so I'm not uninstalling the drivers, I'm just deleting the printer. And then I re-add the printer and use the drivers that I've already installed on the computer. I'm not downloading drivers again and reinstalling. I just add the printer back and it works as long as I delete. Um, initially, as I was troubleshooting, I was actually printing a four by six image every time just to see like, is the color cast there or not? But that was just as I was troubleshooting, as I was trying things, uh, you know, all those things I talked about, letting the Mac go to sleep, uh, taking it out of the house or rebooting and, and trying to see like, could I narrow down what it is so that I could tell people, hey, if you do this thing with your Mac, then you're gonna have a problem and you gotta reinstall the driver can't find any reason for it or what causes it. So now every time before I print, whether it's been a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, every time before I print, I delete the printer in Mac and re-add it. <laughs> it only takes a couple minutes. So it's, it's not, uh, you know, super cumbersome, but I have to remember to do it. And, and then it is kind of a pain to have to go through that every time. It's not super horrible, but anyway, that's what I've had to do to be able to combat that. So again, another little technical detail. I mean, super specific to a printer that you're not likely to use because you can't buy them anymore. But, um, but that's, that's a flavor of kind of the technical level of detail you have to work through. And I'm not talking through every one of those steps in this episode. Obviously, we're, we're at the end of the episode now just decision points. I wanted you to understand what you're getting into if you're trying to decide about printing on your own and how that's going to go. 
Okay. Well, that's, that's finally it for this episode. I know it's been a long one and, uh, thank you if you, if you stuck by with me and thank you for listening. Uh, I know I haven't published for, for a very long time. So thanks for, for those of you that are, are subscribed and are still listening to the show. I really appreciate it. You can check out the show notes over at phototacopodcast.com. I'll have a full write-up so you don't have to worry about taking notes during the episode and, and, uh, or any of that. That's all there. All, all of the information I just talked through is in written form over at phototacopodcast.com. You'll be able to find that there. And um, I, I welcome suggestions on things you would like me to cover in Photo Taco. Uh, again, I'm not going to be terribly consistent about episodes for, for a little bit, but I'd love to build up a list of, of episodes that you'd like to see me do and cover some technical detail in particular with photography. Um, if I don't know about it, I will ask people who know a lot more about things than me, and there's, there's a lot of them out there, uh, to come in on the show and be able to talk with me. I think I'm going to have Greg Benz come on again here soon, and we're going to talk HDR. That seems to be um, something that's, that he's reviving anyway, something that, that's become important to him. And uh, I don't even know why. So I'm, I think I'll have him come on the show next, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But if you have topics, you can email me at phototacopodcast at gmail.com, or you can uh, you know hit me up on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Facebook too, though I'm on Facebook almost never these days. And uh, so you, you can check that out. I'm not really good with Instagram either. Twitter's the place <laughs> if you want to do it. And there's links in the show notes if you want to hit me up on, on any of those things and, and suggest uh, show options or give me feedback. Hopefully it's not uh, all negative, but you can give me feedback for the show there too. Thanks so much for listening. I, uh, I really, really appreciate it again. And uh, we'll see you next episode. Views expressed on this program by independent hosts and callers do not necessarily reflect the views of Master Photography Podcast, LLC, or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links for permissions earned. Olay!